Thank you for joining us in our study of the book of Genesis, entitled The Origin of Reason. Okay, now it's Adam's turn. We're going to take a look at Adam and see what God had to say to Adam about his sin and rebellion. Now, after God pronounced judgment on Eve, he turned to Adam and he judged Adam last because Adam was the last one to sin, right? He pronounced a curse, saying, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you're going to eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. That's in Genesis 3.17. Now, notice this. Nearly all the judgments pronounced here because of Adam's sin are related to the external world. They are not primarily locked in on man's thought life and desires. They go further than psychology. These judgments affect the changes in the physical world due to Adam's sin. The objective things were fixed so solid and sure, and they were changed. The things that were once normal are now abnormal. Instead of being luscious green plants, now you have thorns and thistles. The very nature of things had changed. Now, this is important to consider. If the effects of sin are only in the mind, then we can imagine that a cure could be found. We could say that we really didn't need God at all because we have found a cure for the worries and the pains that we go through. Imagine if we could invent a pill that would cure worry and anxiety. Imagine if we could invent a pill that would help us sleep and keep us going during the day. If emotions were all that troubled us, then we could find something to take care of that problem. Maybe a bottle of whiskey or a can of beer or a movie, something to ease the emotions. But it goes beyond psychological effects. The effect of sin, while definitely affecting the mind and the emotion, goes much, much further. It affects the very nature of everything. Before sin, there was no death, no worry. Uh, there weren't distorted emotions. There were no bad relationships, wars and anger or shame or fear. None of that was present before sin showed up. So the effects of sin go so deep that in order to correct these things, man was unable to find a way to do it. He just couldn't do it. He ran. God would have to step in and perform a miracle if these things were to be corrected. And God made all these things and God did all these things to keep us aware of the terrible effects of sin. We see them, we read about them, we study them, and we can see and understand what sin has done to the world and to humanity. I heard a pastor say recently that he doesn't like to speak of sin and darkness, but he likes to speak on the love and the goodness of God. Now that sounds palatable, and it sounds so favorable to the man. That preacher is offering a salve for healing, healing the tired and struggling, and it sounds great. But you should also take note as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and even John, that the love of God is not something that is focused on terribly there. It's our love to God, our need to obey, our need to repent, our need to follow and learn. But it doesn't just say that God showers his love on all of us. That is not the general teaching of the Gospels. God does things differently. Men do things foolishly. 
corrupt men who sit in high places today have PhDs. Harvard graduates, and they're lauded as reformers and great statesmen. There's a gentleman named Vladimir Zelensky right now in Ukraine, and he's being hailed and praised as a uh, modern-day Winston Churchill. Uh, yet, they failed to realize that this man just ruled out all other parties in the political arena in the Ukraine. He's commanding that all censorship be applied to television announcements and whatnot, and he's exercising his total authoritarian duties as a dictator. So is he what we think he is? No. Is man what we think he is? No. What people fail to do is to consider the very nature of man. It only takes really a significant victory one time to exalt a man to fame and fortune. And so that exalts him above all the condemnation and the failures that he's experienced. Uh, Thomas Edison tried 1,000 times to create a light bulb. He wasn't ridiculed and mocked for the 1,000 failures, but he was celebrated for the one victory. Man has yet to put a dent in death, and he's trying. He's trying all he can, but that is something man cannot stop. Man can't stop his evil ways. Man still murders and kills. Leaders steal, lie, and cheat. Men, all men, have sinned. And we're going to see why. In Adam, God has laid sin out in a full display throughout the world. He could not, Adam could not and should not ever forget that he sinned against God. Never. Because what happens is we tend to forget. We tend to look away and forget. We want to calm our nerves and anxieties. But if man sees the result of sin daily all around him, God continually speaks to him about his sin, not simply by whispering in our mind, as J.D. Greer wants us to think, but by watching the price of gas skyrocket, by letting us be challenged through the world of World War II and the threat of World War III, by seeing the streets of Philadelphia and San Francisco deteriorate and look like an impoverished side of Calcutta, India. In Memphis, Tennessee, you practically have to wear a flak jacket in some parts of town. Does that show man how great man is? Governments have come and gone. Laws have been passed. Legislators have voted and enacted new rules and regulations. But sin, sin still reigns. You cannot stop it. Sin, degradation, decay, moral failures, the constant stress and strain of daily life. God allows all of this for a reason. To keep the fact and the nature of sin before us. And it reminds us every day that we need deliverance. We need a Savior. And Jesus is his name, not Karl Marx, not the United States federal government, not Donald Trump, and certainly not Joe Biden, right? And not money. We need a change desperately. But the change cannot be wrought by a man. An election will not change the moral climate in the United States of America. Nor will it change or affect the spiritual climate. We've tried for centuries. But look at where we find ourselves today. Are we better than we were morally 10 years ago? No. 100 years ago? No. See what Adam has done and see how we have contributed? I want you to notice that Adam's judgment has three parts to it. First, the ground was cursed. Adam was not cursed. The ground was cursed. It used to produce fruit and every good plant in abundance. Now, thorns and thistles. Now, man would have to dig and plant in order to eat. 
his hands had to get dirty and calloused and his back had to ache. He had to sweat. Second, Adam is sentenced to live by the sweat of his brow. You know, I've thought about this for quite some time. People work and save and they're trying their best to live comfortably, a life of leisure. And these are some of the main goals in life. You ask a guy why he's going to school and why he's studying this or that. Well, he wants to be able to get a good job when he gets out and live a comfortable life. Okay. If you're failing to attain these things, have you failed in life? Are you a miserable failure? There are people throughout the world that live on less than $500 a month. And really, on less than that. Are they failures? Huh. Our goals are not running in line with Scripture, if you see. And what we're trying to do is to escape the curse of God. We're trying to escape the, the, the curse of having to work by the sweat of our brow. We're trying to have somebody else do all that and sweat and, and suffer. and We don't want to get our hands dirty. I'd rather hire 10 people to do my job than get my own hands dirty. We seek for these things in order to escape God's declared judgment. It seems that some people have succeeded, and so men want to be like Mike. Instead of seeking first the kingdom of God, we're seeking, we're seeking to escape the judgment of God, and not through service. We try to get things comfortable and established. Then perhaps, then perhaps we'll be able to say, like Cain, look what I've done. See how I made things comfortable? Third, God declares that an end is coming which Adam could not avoid. He's going to return to the dust from which he came. Now there's a saying today that is more like a bumper sticker philosophy. It says, life hurts, it's painful, and the struggle is real. And then you die. Americans tend to be optimistic people. We're convinced that we can progress no matter how bad things get. Tomorrow, you see, is going to be a better day. And it's only one day away. It's, it's tomorrow. So we assume that bad times will not last. Eventually, we will discover our own personal utopia. And as a nation, we're reaching hard and stretching far for an effort to find that utopia. But when tomorrow never comes, it makes us sad. And then when it does come, and it turns out to be just like yesterday, we become disenchanted, disillusioned. We become angry and frustrated. Either we look up to God for strength so we can endure, or we become miserable and angry and we get lost in our frustrations. One thing I've discovered, I'm an older guy and I've watched people grow old, and I know some older people than me. One thing I've discovered is that miserable young people, particularly women, miserable young women tend to grow up to be miserable old ladies. Grumpy, grouchy, frustrated young men tend to grow up to be grumpy and grouchy and frustrated old men. Today, the young people are being told they can have it all. And you know what? They want it all and they expect it. They're not being told of their sin and their need for God. They're being told that they can do it. A great deal of anger in America is the result of people, young and old, discovering that they've been fed a lie. Things are not okay. Why am I unhappy? Why am I so sad? The world has nothing to offer but struggle. Our hope is found in a person, not in a place and not in a position and not with power. Paul tells us this, it is written, no eye has seen nor has ear heard nor has heart imagined nor has any heart imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. 
But God has revealed it to us by the Spirit. And the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 1 Corinthians 2.9 Now let's look at Job 7, 1 and 2. Is not man consigned to labor on the earth? That's what we're given to do. Are not his days like those of a hired hand? Like a slave, he longs for shade. And like a hireling, he waits for his wages. This is our life now. And this is what we have to look forward to. And yes, there is a brighter tomorrow, and we'll cover that. Look, but looking strictly through the eyes of Adam, this is all we have. This is it. The judgment rendered, and the exit from the garden is forthcoming. And these are the things we have to understand as we seek to understand the true origin of reason. I want to thank you very much for participating in this study, and I'm glad that you've joined us, and I hope that you continue as we continue through the study of Genesis to understand the origin of reason. Thank you very much.